0: You're listening to Halford and Brough.
1: I believe it was Kinecty that he
2: brings it up from behind the goal. He scores. Travis me down low, cuts out to the front of the net and beats Thatcher Demko and the Flyers have the go-ahead goal.
3: I've been off for all eight goals. Pretty frustrated.
0: I'm angry. I'm, I'm spitting angry. How about if you get a little taste of Landon Dickerson coming right
1: down your throat? Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Dog. good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie. good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are also, as mentioned, coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Kintech Footwear
0: and Orthotics Canada's. Favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. I'll apologize to everyone ahead of time.
1: I, I, might, be, I might be a little under the weather today. My voice is a little scratchy oh. this morning. Have you noticed? Were you yelling at the TV a lot this weekend, or is nice. it just you know, you're maybe getting sick? You know what? I, it's probably the latter, but mm-hmm. there was also a part of the former as well. So I, I will say ahead of this, bad Canucks loss over the weekend. Right? Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. It was a downer. It was bad, but it was a good Sports weekend. I thoroughly enjoyed the weekend, despite how poorly the Canucks played it was, on Saturday. It
0: was a terrific sports weekend, and I was very into the games over the weekend, on especially on Saturday when I did a lot of yelling at the TV. Actually, I don't think I've yelled at the TV in a sports capacity like that in quite a long time. Because first, you had the Canucks game mm-hmm. where I was yelling in frustration, and the and at the same time and. For about three or four hours after the Canucks game ended, I was yelling in encouragement, occasional frustration at the Mariners game.
1: Uh, so what's happening on the program today, you may be asking. At 6.30, we are going to be joined by Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. She is the Capitals beat writer for said publication. The Canucks are in Washington tonight, 4 o'clock puck drop. Uh, you can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. You can watch it on the Sportsnet television station. 7 o'clock, Mike Tannier. Our NFL insider from Football Outsiders is going to join us. A reminder, Mike is our Monday morning quarterback, and he is brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home for football. Catch all of the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. You can also check them out on the internet at theclaytonpub.com. 8 o'clock, IMAC is going to join us. There's going to be a lot of Canucks talk today on the show. We are both fully cognizant of the fact that a lot happened over the weekend. We probably won't get to it all. Is that a fair statement?
0: Yeah the te- the the Tennessee Alabama game, which was also terrific on Saturday, we might we might have to kind of like overlook that a we little gonna, bit. I thought we were going to lead with Rocky Top today. Uh, and throwing the goalposts in yeah. the uh, in the river.
1: <laughs> That'd be tough to organize, by the way. They did it amazingly well. Well, I don't the student, know if they the student did, body, the student body really rallied at that.
0: Moment. I think they had to turn the goalposts around at one point because there was one point that I saw that they were heading up the, the aisles and I'm like, I don't think you're getting these goalposts out gate five. Like, I think you're gonna have to turn it around and and take it out the end where they bring in all the heavy equipment. Then they had to bring it down to the river and they threw it in the river. The river so, was a good that's a nice eh. way to end anything. Yeah. The, vol- we- the Vols are back, baby, and now we have to stop talking about them.
1: When anyone ever asks, what are we going to do with it? A good answer is always, we're going to throw it in the river. We're throwing it in the river. So, 8 yeah. o'clock, IMAC is going to join us. 7 o'clock, Mike Tannier. 6.30, Samantha Pell, for a Caps Canucks preview. Uh, tonight, man, it's another awesome sports night. Just continuing Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So, if you want to work on your couch groove tonight, I highly recommend you start at 4 o'clock. That's when the Canucks are going to take on the Capitals. Also, if you want a full bevy of NHL action tonight, you've got the Coyotes in Toronto. florida Boston's a good matchup. uh, Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins are in Montreal. The defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, they're in Minnesota. And you've got Seattle hosting Carolina. That's not all. Monday Night Football, if you so choose. It might not be a great game, because the Denver Broncos are involved, but... Chargers-Broncos, classic rivalry. And if that's not enough,
0: Chase, What are you talking about? Like it, it, The Broncos games are must-see TV right I now. I suppose. Must-see TV suppose. to see them play badly. That's fair. Okay, so if you want to
1: watch that, it's there for you. And if that is not enough, game five, Yankee Stadium, Yankees-Guardians. Winner advances to the American League Championship Series to take on the Astros. So it is a huge, huge night of sports. We have so much stuff that we need to cover from the weekend. So, without further ado, uh, Laddie A-Dog, let's tell everybody what happened.
0: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I our- was. We know how busy your
2: life can
1: be. What happened? You missed
2: that? You missed that? What happened?
1: <sighs> Canucks lose. Canucks lose. For the second consecutive game to start the season. The Canucks jumped out to a multi-goal lead on the road. But for the second consecutive game this season, the Canucks lost and got no points in Philadelphia. A 3-2 loss to the Flyers on Saturday at the Wells Fargo Arena from Philly.
0: Yeah, if the loss in Edmonton could be partially explained by, you know, the Oilers have McDavid and he's pretty good. Oh, and they also have Drysaddle. And, you know, at the very least, the Canucks... Played a really strong first period. Like, they looked legitimately good. They played legitimately well on the first against the Edmonton Oilers. There was no moral victory whatsoever in Saturday's 3-2 loss in Philly. I just want you guys to all consider a few things about this game. Let's go. The Canucks didn't play well in the first period, even though they led 2-0. They got two goals against the flow of play. The first one by Kyle Burrow should have been stopped by Carter Hart. The second one was a nice one, but it came near the end of the first period after the Flyers had controlled most of the play. The Canucks still blew that lead. Another multi-goal lead. They led 3-0 in Edmonton, didn't get a point. They led 2-0 in Philly, didn't get a point. So they didn't even get these games to overtime. Saturday against the Flyers, the Canucks' best players were All underwhelming. Demko made a few saves, but he wasn't amazing. Miller had possibly the worst game of his Canucks career against the Flyers. Petey wasn't good. Horvat wasn't good. Besser wasn't good. Even Hughes, not great. And perhaps, well, I mean, if you can get any more concerning than all the things I've already said, their special teams were Atrocious! The power play, which we all expected to be good, has surrendered more goals than it scored. Is that bad? It is currently operating at a negative clip. Is that bad?
2: Power plays aren't supposed to work like that, right? Ideally, you're not supposed to get scored on during the power play.
0: No, ideally... I'm not an initial coach. Ideally, you're not supposed to <laughs> throw the puck <laughs> blindly into the middle of the ice and then... Go like, oh, God, it's going back the other way. It's a breakaway. So that's – it happened in, in Edmonton, a three-on-one the other way, when Petey threw a blind pass into the middle and Horvat couldn't handle it. And it happened uh, a clear breakaway against the Flyers on Saturday when J.T. Miller had one of his 30 puck management issues and it went the other way for a breakaway and the Flyers scored. It it was ugly on Saturday and, you know – I. And, and, and if you're coming at me and going, say, it's only game two of the season, only been two games of the season, the, the thing with that is, like, yeah, you can say that, and, of course, there's still time for the Canucks to rebound. There's still time for the Canucks to rebound on this five-game road trip. There's three games left. Mm-hmm. The issue is, like, the core of this team is still the same, and, you know, it's the same issues that frustrated us, like, last season, whether it is special teams or not playing a full 60 or just basic puck management it doesn't look good so far does it no and uh, i'll apologize ahead of
1: time for making a white caps analogy here but i want to because one it's a local squadron and two i will accept your apology but you should be sorry thank you uh here's the thing there was a there was a phase in this season, <clears throat> the season the white cap season that is where they had a string of results. Do you remember this? Where they were scoring goals in the last five or ten minutes to either salvage a point or steal all three. And they were getting results. It was, it was sure. about a yeah. five or six yeah. game stretch. And a lot of people were saying, wow, what a, what a resilient team. Never say die attitude. They'll always find a way to rally. They'll always have that comeback in them. And then there was another cross-section of the fan base that said, how about now not falling behind all the time? Why not try and do it differently? <laughs> Is it a good sign for your group that you are constantly having to rally, constantly having to play catch-up? Catch-up, Jason. Catch-up.
0: Uh, I couldn't agree more, and I cannot tell you, you how many times. You liked my analogy, didn't you? Well, I like the idea behind it. All right. I cannot tell you how many times we've said on this show over the last, I don't know, let's just say a year, right? Well, let's see how they respond tonight. That's gonna tell us a lot about this group, and sometimes they do respond. But to your point, how about not having to bounce back from bad games so much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how about how about that? How about putting in a consistent effort so you're just like you're not like, well, that was terrible. You know, let's see if they can respond because we we are gonna wait and see if they can respond tonight and on this rest of this road trip. It's hardly the most daunting road trip, granted. They might have already blown their opportunity to get points off the worst team. They got Washington tonight. The Capitals are off to a so-so start. They got Columbus tomorrow. Now, granted, it's the second game of back-to-back, and these are always tough, and maybe Mm. we'll see Spencer Martin in goal in Columbus, but the Blue Jackets do not look good early on, and the Minnesota Wild don't look good early on. Nope. And the Canucks play them Thursday in Minnesota before returning for their home opener Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres, you know, win th- win all three of those games or even just two out of the three. And we might avoid a full-blown panic before that home opener. But right now, if you're looking at it, you're looking at the very distinct possibility that the Canucks will open the season at Rogers Arena Saturday against the Buffalo Sabres with a record of like one and four. At best, maybe best two and three. The way here's
1: the thing: both things can be true here. One, uh, it can be said that yes, it's only two games into the season, and it's too early for panic. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You could say uh, they had a great start in Edmonton, <clears throat> and then Connor McDavid happened, and then they went to Philly and got a early afternoon start on the East Coast, and they were flat. You could say that. At the same time, you could also say, and this is also very true, that the issues that presented themselves at the beginning of last year that essentially tanked the season and cost Travis green, his job are still there. Both those things can be true. Like there's no way that you could argue either of them right now. And the reality of it is, is you kind of have to figure out really, unfortunately what comes next for this team. Cause that's the big thing. Now is when you play this particular style, meaning underwhelming, and then always having to play catch-up. It's always about what you're going to do next. How are you going to respond to adversity? How are you going to respond to the challenges? The question tonight isn't how do you keep the good vibes going. It's not how do you manage to manufacture a third straight win. It's the same song and dance that they had a
0: lot under Travis Green and in the second half of Bruce Boudreaux. So I guess you can credit JT Miller for honesty in his post-game remarks. You can't credit him for playing well. Um, you can't credit him for turning around his defensive game, something that he's been trying to do. Said he wants to focus more on, on playing well in his own end, and he's been on the ice for all eight Canuck goals. Not all of them were his fault, but a few of them were. I mean, his puck handling mistake uh, at on the, on the Flyers' game-winning goal where the puck just came to him. It was bouncing a little bit in front of the net. And he flubbed it, and the Flyers got it and scored an easy goal, and that was the winning goal. That to me was almost like, am I seeing Elias Pettersson from last season? Ooh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was kind of like just about to say the same thing. Is your confidence that low now that you you can't even pick up the puck? Uh, JT Miller said afterwards. You know, we played this clip in the intro. I've been on the ice for all eight goals. I'm not going to criticize the rest of the team when I can't even lead by example. His head coach was told by a reporter that GT says he's not playing very well. This is what Bruce Boudreaux had to say. You know, I don't know how many goals, but he's been on for about seven or eight goals right now against. So, I mean, but I know he's a great player. I know he's going to get better. Um, Just uh, he's having a little bit of a rough time right now. That he is. And at practice yesterday, And by the way, I thought it was even telling that the Canucks were practicing yesterday. That could have been a day off. They got three games in four nights coming up. But I think the way they've played in their first two games and the fact that they do need to make changes probably to the lines and the pairings and also, hey, work on that power play that's supposed to be so good. Uh, There were new lines. Miller, off the top line. Horvat, is now with Pearson and Besser. And Petey is with Kuzmenko and Lazar. Ooh. Now, Mikheyev could return to the lineup, but it doesn't seem 100% likely that he's going to return tonight in Washington. Uh, Miller was down with Colson and Garland. colson has been good. Yes. And then Hoaglander... Sounds like he's been dropped all the way to the fourth line with Oman and Joshua. The pairings were different, too, out of necessity. Doesn't sound like Tucker Poolman's doing too well. The Canucks had to call up Noah Juleson. I think they sent Sheldon Drys down. Hughes and Shen, OEL and Burroughs, and then Jack Rathbone pairs in or slides in, and he'll play the left side. And Riley Stillman, this new guy to the team... (laughs) Yeah. He's been forced into, all right, you're playing right away, barely had any practices. Oh, and now you're going to play your offside with with Jack Rathbone. So good luck with that.
1: If you had told me at any part during the preseason that by game three of the season, we would have a Riley Stillman-Jack Rathbone pairing on defense, I would have said, well, something's gone egregiously wrong.
0: Yeah, you'd have been like, oh, Riley Stillman's on the Canucks now? That's interesting.
1: Also, when did they get Riley Stillman? No, but that's – so, again – There's another baked-in excuse as to why the start has gone poorly, is that this defense, which I believe the best phrasing I saw for it it would be mediocre if healthy, is not healthy.
0: So what do you think management is thinking right now watching these first two games?
1: Um, I think that they are very, very concerned about a here-we-go-again scenario. Yeah, I think that they are probably on – I don't know if you can be extremely upset after two games if you're in a management position because I think you would be reactive. You you have to have more patience than that. What about
2: five games?
1: No, that's for what we do.
2: If the Canucks go 0-5 to start the season, do you think they do something drastic?
0: No. (laughs) Well, I will say this. I'd be surprised if there's a Bo Horvath contract (laughs) contract (laughs) extension coming in this week, right? Maybe that. There's no way they could commit to doing that. It would look strange. Right now. Uh, Just, just, you know, listen. Uh, I had... Multiple friends text me and ask me. You have multiple friends this weekend. Multiple <laughs> acquaintances. <right> <laughs> multiple people that I know. Let's not call How them did friends. You get this number. <laughs> they, you know? they were like, they're like, uh, <laughs> is 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 JT Miller still tradable? Like, yeah. can, they, can they trade him? And they're they're talking about like, you know, like when does the uh, the no trade clause kick in for his? Or there's no movement clause? And like, do you think they still could trade him? Like, the fan base. You know, I, 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 the thing about our show is, right, is, like, like we reflect the fan base. And, and right now, you know, pr- we always say, like, oh, well, we're not going to overreact to the first two games. We're a fragile but breed. Of, but, of course, you're going to react to the first two games. We're really passionate about this team and, and the way those, those games have ga- gone. Yeah. Like, it's okay to admit. It's okay to admit your fears, right, especially when you're a fan. We're not management. We don't make the decision. But... I mean, how many of you out there aren't concerned right now about this big contract extension that J.T. Miller signed and the way he looks right yeah, now? You're just saying the quiet. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We can talk about this. Yeah, you're just saying the quiet part out
1: loud. So if I it was looks ma- awful, it's awful, looks <clears> PTSD. PTSD. If I was management, my biggest concern right now would be a lot of the things that uh, we and now I'm talking about the management group as the royal we. A lot of the things that we stressed at the exit meetings last year and in the off season. Are rearing their ugly heads again, right? I mean, they talked about an approach to play. Um, you know, when they talked about remember, like having better practice habits and being more professional. I wonder if that's what Sunday was a nod to—that instead of "Hey boys, take the day off," you're, I think they must have been in D.C. at that point. They probably flew over Saturday. Yeah. I feel like take the day go. Oh, they probably
0: flew after Philly, right? On Saturday. Go, so.
1: You're in D.C. Go find a bar, watch football, go sure. enjoy the day off. I got a feeling that that might be a management call to, hey, get back on the ice and practice. Mm-hmm. You're professionals. You're 0-2. You have no business hanging out and having a chill day to watch football all day on Sunday. A
2: flip side of the coin, do you think management's like, you know, Connor Bedard is a Canucks fan. Oh, oh, they're too far <laughs> in right now. Stop, <laughs> they're, Andy. They're too in. <laughs>
0: Stop. They're too in. Uh, I'm surprised at all the um, criticism that Jason King is getting right now. Come on, guys. Like It's on the players, the power play. Jason King ran the power play last season and it looked good at the end of the year. Yeah. we really blaming Jason King for JT Miller throwing the puck into the middle of the ice or Elias Pettersson throwing the puck into the middle of the ice. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure Jason King's, that's not on the whiteboard, are like, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw, we're going to manage the puck really badly. We're just going to, we're not, we're not, we're going to put it into the middle of the ice and then have have the guys uh, back at the blue line caught completely flat-footed it's a it's a bit of a weird plan, I admit. And, and if one of you could 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 fall down, mm-hmm. like that would really help the plan too. It's true. Let's put it on the players here, guys. They haven't been sharp. And Bruce Bujo was talking about like our best players haven't been our best players. Mm. No, on Saturday, like none of them played well. No, like Pedersen's uh, line at five on five has been good. It's been fine, right? That that that's grasping at straws if you're looking for. If you're looking for positives, the special teams issue is very concerning, and I'm not looking at the coaches. I'm looking at the players on the ice, the guys that are getting paid a lot of money yep. to figure this stuff out, to be leaders, to figure it out themselves, not to go, Jason King, can you help us?
1: Well, I did, th- that's why I did like what Miller said after the game. I will give him full full credit for that. Not that he really had anything else to say. I don't think it would have been fair if he turned around and he's like, Demko's got to give us a save. Cata- like, I, don't, I, nice I, awesome, don't, I don't think that was going to happen. <laughs> Look right? at this guy over here. Yeah,
0: yeah. You're right. PD didn't play well. <laughs> yeah, though. right? Like, but, um, Horvat, how about some leadership? eh, buddy.
1: This is one of the many times where radio doesn't do it justice. But if you watched the video of JT Miller post game, like he was seething. Yeah, he looked like he was about seething, to. Seething, like yeah. the, just ready to lose it. And the fact that he only swore once showed great restraint because I'm sure he wanted to, like many people, swear multiple times and then take a broad, blunt object and smash it. Do you think the guy –
0: do you anyway. think the guy who normally has to sit next to JT in the dressing room was like, "Anyone want to trade?
1: Oh God! <laughs> Does
0: anyone want to sit over here? Or look at it? that's a really great side of the dressing yeah, room. He's got his hand up. Does someone want to change seats? The cosmic <laughs> ballet continues. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, to, uh, I want to. I want to play a little bit more audio of Bruce Boudreau because Bruce Boudreau is on the hot seat too. I just read a piece of the Athletic. They're ranking all the hot seats. Uh, in the NHL. is down there with Lindy Ruff, who got booed by the fans. <laughs> it's, you know, like Wait, in terms hold on. of like... Did Lindy Ruff, was that a
1: joke or did he really ask? Did he really I, mouth well, the no, words, I are saw, they booing me? I didn't see that.
0: I, oh. I saw a t- didn't, You did not <laughs>
2: say, are they booing? <laughs> I saw a tweet on Twitter that somebody was like, apparently he mouthed to one of his
0: assistants, like, are, it looked like, are they booing me? It was something like that. He acknowledged the booing. Yeah, then. there's no audio of it or and anything. And that's but. interesting that the tweet you saw was on Twitter. You're saying... Well, it's got to be real. you are saying, you're on fire, Lindy. You're on fire. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of boo urns in here. Uh, here's Bruce Boudreaux on the special teams. One for five, in the
3: power play,
0: and these score a shorthanded goal. And there's the difference in the game. It's been both games now. It's special teams. I mean, it's, uh, uh, if we don't shore that up, we're going to be in trouble. Apparently, Bruce recorded that from inside of a drum.
1: I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going on there.
0: Uh, so it's the Vancouver Canucks against the Washington Capitals. Tonight, uh, I don't think Ovi scored yet. He did, but it got called back. It got called back. Yeah. Um, Are we assuming, and we'll talk to Samantha Pell from the Washington Post on this coming up. And we'll, we'll, by the way, we'll dive into the Dunbar Lumber text line in about 20 minutes. A lot of you guys are uh, very upset about this Canucks team and you have some opinions. So we'll read those after we talk to Samantha Pell about the Washington Capitals. Yeah are we assuming that Ovi's going to break this record or are we still kind of like, well, it's getting older and he's, what is he? Is he approximately a hundred goals away or something like that?
1: Yeah. I remember there was a, again, an athletic piece doing the projections and he would basically have to be a 30 goal scorer for three more years. That's assuming that he gets it this year, right? Like the three years following this one, Um, there's going to have to be a pretty significant, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Consistency level. 114 goals to
0: go. Gretzky's at 894. Ovi's at 780. I don't know if he's going to get there. Granted, I said that about six or seven years ago. I was like, there's no chance he's going to get there. And he's giving it a run. So maybe I shouldn't doubt him. But, you know, how old is Ovi now? 37. 37? Yeah. The, it, he, it, it, he could
2: do it, but it'd be tough.
0: It basically comes down to, you can't he to play be... till he's like forty-three. Well, yeah, yeah he's he he cart him off the ice after he gets the well, lockouts. Kind of... And pandemic didn't do many favors. No, the sure. pandemic—the pandemic really screwed him over. And and yeah, losing a whole. Well, how much did he lose? in Well, the he locker? lost his
1: rookie year. He could he have lost been in his a, year, he didn't yeah. get to play as an eighteen-year-old. Right, yeah. and then he lost half of a season in eleven, twelve, and. Basically, he'd have to be a 25 to 30 goal scorer over the age of 40, which if you look statistically through history, it's like Yager's really – and a handful of guys that played in the 20s and 30s when all the other players on the ice were plumbers and stuff like that. And there's but, still the rumor that
2: he might want to go back home and play for a couple right. more years. So he yeah. knows when he wants
1: to
0: retire. Put it this way. If he's I don't get, know if anyone's rushing to go back to Russia. Not right now. now. Maybe not right yeah. now, but in the yeah, past, he might yes. He picked off the street and like, you know where you're going? Because it's not to play hockey. Uh,
1: so you'll notice it's 625 in the morning now. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, we did not talk anything other than Canucks, which admittedly is an injustice to the sports weekend that we had. It was tremendous. The baseball on Saturday, one of the best days of Major League Baseball that I can remember. It was fantastic. There was a ton of football. Uh, You mentioned locally, great weekend for football. If you're not a Seahawks fan still, they're local. Uh, Seahawks won, Lions won, so there's a lot that we can get into. But, uh, look, the Canucks have a game tonight against the Capitals. It is a bit of a pressure cooker right now. Our focus is going to be there on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. So we're going to talk to Samantha Pell. From the Washington Post next. 7 o'clock hour, we will do some NFL with Mike Tannier, our NFL insider, from Football Outsiders. And then 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to IMAX. So there will be a lot of Canucks talk. We will get to the baseball. We will get to the football. But we're going to be hockey-heavy today. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol.
3: In Vancouver, ongoing construction is on Marine Drive. (laughs)
1: 633 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff SportsNet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. As mentioned off the top, it is a big night in the world of sprouts. So many sprouts. Unofficially yet officially, everything begins at 4 o'clock our time when the Canucks take on the Capitals in Washington tonight. Joining us now to break it all down from the Capitals' side of things, uh, Washington Post Capitals beat reporter Samantha Pell here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Samantha.
3: How are you? Morning. Doing good. How about you guys?
1: Uh, we're good, thanks. Thanks for taking the time to do this. So, uh, weirdly enough, the Washington Capitals on Saturday found themselves in the same situation that the Canucks are going into tonight. They lost their first two games of the season. There was a little bit of angst building up. Peter Laviolette went to the line blender and switched everything up. And lo and behold, the Caps got a win 3-1 on Saturday against Montreal. What were some of the big changes or differences that the Caps had in that game that allowed them to get their first win of the season?
3: Yeah, it was mainly, honestly, you know, the power play finally clicked. TJ Oshie scored on the power play. It was the Capitals' 10th attempt of the season. It finally went in and it seemed to kind of bring a little bit more confidence uh, to this Capitals group. And overall, I mean, like The Caps have the talent. Everyone kind of knows that. They have the personnel. They have the Alex Ovechkins of the world, but it was just about kind of piecing everything together, and they have a couple new faces, obviously, in the forward group with Dylan Strome and Connor Brown, and it seemed like maybe Connor Brown was a little disconnected the first couple games. They moved Dylan Strome up with Connor Brown and Alex Ovechkin on the top line just to create something different, to generate more offense, and it worked. So, We'll see how it kind of goes from this point on, but really for the Caps, it was just we needed a little bit more urgency, more intensity, get the power play to click, and suddenly little things start to piece together. But it's definitely not uh, going to be smooth sailing from here.
0: <laughs> how big is the loss of Nicholas Backstrom, and and what is his what is his story? If you could give me and the and the listeners an update when he's expected mm-hmm. back, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yeah, so with Nicholas Backstrom, there's no timeline for him coming back. He actually got hip resurfacing surgery in the off season, and it's a pretty uh, major surgery for him. It's basically a form of hip replacement. So Nick did it, and obviously he's better now. He says he's pain-free. He can play with his kids. He can tie his own shoes, put, his, put on his own socks, when before he's kind of been dealing with this lingering pain for the last you know few years or so. So for Nick, it was really important for him to get this surgery in the summer. It was a super big decision, but it also means the hockey recovery process time is very up in the air. It's very unknown. Only a couple of hockey players have actually got the surgery and come back. And I believe only one player has actually played a significant amount of games after the surgery. So it's going to be a tough road back for Backstrom. He hasn't been on the ice yet. Hasn't really been doing anything of that sort, but he's been back in the gym working out. So, Everyone kind of very hesitant in the Washington organization to say when he could or if he could come back, but at least for now, he's still around the team, still doing team activities and all of that.
0: What are the expectations for the Capitals this season?
3: I would say the expectations going into the season we're, were pretty high with the addition of Darcy Kemper. I think anytime you get a Stanley Cup winning goalie, you obviously have a mindset of you want to go out and get another cup for yourself, but especially with Alex Ovechkin and kind of this aging veteran core. I know Caps fans are probably tired of hearing the word of the window is closing, but the window is closing for another championship in Washington. So, I mean, Brian McClellan went all in on the off season. He's looking to add a bunch of guys to help them win. And I mean, anything less than that, I feel like expectations are going to falter. They've been out of the playoffs the first, I guess in the first round for the last four seasons. So definitely high expectations in Washington.
0: Do the Caps have any young blue chip prospects that could help out?
3: Yeah, Alexi Protus actually cracked the opening night lineup. He was kind of a surprise <laughs> in training camp. He was very similar to a hundred last season for the Capitals. He just was a guy that came out in training camp and honestly blew the other prospects out of the water. I think he played really really well he impressed he played in all six preseason games he can play at any position in the forward corps: left wing right wing down uh down the middle so with protus he's going to be a really big piece of this team if he can kind of keep it up and if not it seems like Connor mcmichael is still here kind of waiting in the wings they're capitals former first round pick so for him both of them i think it's going to be a really big season as well as martin faravari on the blue line
1: we're speaking to Samantha Pell from the Washington Post here on the Helford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Canucks in Washington tonight, 4 o'clock puck drop, Canucks Capitals. Um, with Backstrom out of the lineup for the foreseeable future, Samantha, how much pressure falls on Strom and Kuznetsov down the middle and how much heavy lifting, additional heavy lifting, do they have now without Backstrom's presence? Not just a very talented guy, but a guy who's been there for forever and had that chemistry with the likes of Ovechkin and Oshin, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yeah, it's a huge loss. I think any guy that you talk to in the locker room will say you can never replace 19. Like that's just not going to happen. The things that he brings on the ice into the room is just really irreplaceable. So it's about kind of piecing it together as well as they can. And I think Keith not is going to have a major role. He had the same role last season when Backstrom was out for the first few months of the year. Him and Ovechkin were great. They both went on a tear. They were honestly what kept the caps above water in the first half of the season. So with Kuznetsov, I think maybe he's gotten off to a slow start. It hasn't really been pieced together very well in the first three games, but would expect for him to kind of bounce back here. And then with Dylan Strom, I think he's been playing well, but he's going to also take on a huge role. if glad continues to play him up there with Ovechkin and Connor Brown on the top line.
0: Samantha, we were talking about this earlier, Alice Ovechkin. He's got 780 career goals. Gretzky at 894 um, what is the thinking in Washington like can you handicap Ovi's chances of breaking this record uh, I mean he could just play for I don't know five more five or six more seasons and probably get there he could do it you know he has the ability to to do it do it faster but it still seems like this is going to be a tight race
3: Yeah I definitely feel like it's going to be a tight race I think But honestly, every single year when I'm asked about Alex Ovechkin, I feel like for the last four years, everyone's like, oh, is this the year he's going to slow down? Like, is this the year that, no, he's not going to reach 40, 50 goal mark? And every single year I kind of hesitate. And then I'm like, no, he's probably going to do it. And he goes and does it and he scores 50 goals last season. So I think – Betting against Alex Ovechkin is never the right thing to do yeah. because I think whenever he wants to go out and do it, like he's going to do it. I think he's pretty determined. He still loves the game of hockey. Like for him, I think the gold record, he'll try to play it off. He'll try to play it down. I mean, the first day I believe of training camp, he talked to us and he said, guys, let's just take it day by day. Like, I can't score 21 goals in a game. Um, <laughs> you can't? So Come on. We're like, Yeah, we're like, well, like, can you? Like, I don't know. Like, don't say that yet. So for him, like, I know he's trying to take it day by day, but like all of us, like, he knows the record is there. He knows he can catch it. It's just a matter of when, and it's a matter of, honestly, health and can his body, you know, keep up, which it has so far in his career.
0: I guess it'll be interesting to see also if he does it with a good team or a rebuilding team.
3: Right, exactly. And I think for Washington, right, the hope is that it continues to go on the up and up. But honestly, with his team and how it's trending, I think you're going to see him playing with a lot of those young guys that we're just starting to see now. And maybe he'll break out, you know, next to Protus and Connor McMichael. Who knows?
1: Uh, Samantha, before we let you go, uh, I know you haven't had a chance to see them skate this morning, but is it safe to assume that this is back in net for Darcy Kemper tonight after Charlie Lindgren played against Toronto and then Kemper went against Montreal?
3: Yeah, I'm actually am not sure. I would assume it is Darcy Kemper, but honestly, I think Lingard played great uh, in uh, Toronto. I think he made a lot of great saves. The defensive front of him was just uh, pretty leaky and lacking in coverage. So, you know, I would assume it's Kemper, but it would not surprise me whatsoever if they go back to Lingard and give him another shot on home ice and then give kind of Kemper that chance uh, out in Ottawa.
1: Uh, it is the Canucks, it is the Capitals, 4 o'clock. Our time reminder, you can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. You can watch it across the Sportsnet uh, network of channels. Samantha, thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. Best of luck with the regular season. We'll talk again soon.
3: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank you. That's
1: Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. Capitals beat reporter here on the Halford & Brough Show
0: on Sportsnet 650. So as Halford mentioned earlier uh, and Samantha mentioned, the Capitals lost their first two games of the season, then the power play woke up, and they got a win Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens. This is hardly the Capitals team of old. If you look at this team right now, yeah, they got Ovechkin, yeah, they got Kuznetsov, TJ Oshie's still there, John Carlson, but this is not a loaded team. This is not a team that has outside... People saying, you know, like, oh, this is a Stanley Cup contender. There's a lot of people that would predict the Washington Capitals are going to miss the playoffs. So, listen, this is a game the Canucks can win. No
1: Backstrom up front. No Hagelin up front. No Tom Wilson up front. All currently on injured reserve with a multitude of issues. So, again, you look at this team and you're saying, first line center, Dylan Strom. Uh, a bottom six where a lot of the guys are kind of unrecognizable. Former Canuck Nick Dowd. Nick Dowd, everybody. Nick Dowd. Is Nick,
0: Nick Dowd. You know what the problem with the the, the Canucks is? It's it's, a, it's a Nick Dowd. Who has turned
1: into a very capable fourth-line center for the Washington Capitals. But this is not – this is a playoff team, I think, is the best way of putting it. They they should be a playoff team if they – Who, play- the Capitals? Yeah. No. They've been a playoff team like 10 years in a row. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm saying here. Is it? Okay. I don't think they will. Their ceiling would be playoff. I don't think think they're a Stanley cup contender Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a team regardless of where you're at in your season. You should be looking at this game as this is a winnable hockey game. Yes. I know they're all winnable hockey games, but for the Canucks tonight, there has to be a sense of this is an opponent that we can play with. And We should have a higher desperation factor than this team. Right? You're 0-2 on the road to start. You had a not good performance in Philly. All signs point to we need to come out and all the cliches. First 10 minutes, how important are they? Very important. Got to get off on the front foot. Got to get an early goal. All those things matter tonight. All the games.
0: like It's not just the start. It's, you know, protect that lead if you happen to get one. Well,
1: that's a big part of this too. Play the
0: whole game. I, the, the more that the Canucks have these um, games where, you know, they look good at time, but not for the entire game, the more you question their leadership. And I, there's more and more people questioning, okay, who's, who's really, you know, like, what is the overall commitment to this team from this group? We hear so often, and I love having these conversations, like, what does a good team do? Well, it doesn't rely on the coaches to get them prepared. It doesn't rely on, you know, the, the special teams guy to make sure the power play click clicking. It is a, It is a dressing room of accountability within the room, within the players. And this group, like, I will say one thing. Like, you say, okay, the Capitals are a playoff team. That core group that they've got... Clearly, they're doing something right because they're almost always in the playoffs, yep. right? No yep. matter what the mix is, and and we've been talking about like when will the Bruins, uh, when will the Bruins fall off? When will the Penguins fall off? And the Capitals are in that group as well, and they always seem to find it because they've got a way of doing things in those cities. If you want to call it culture, fine, but it is more likely that it is both culture and it, there's just like the best players there. Nick hold, hold the rest of the group hold the rest of the group accountable to each other and there's a certain standard that is that is met there and then they get the results and then the results follow the Canucks have yet to prove that they've got the group to become that team that's what they're trying to do and the first two games they're failing at it i'm trying to look up a game here
1: there was a game last year there it is sunday march 13th the tampa bay lightning Came in to Vancouver. uh, I think they were right in the midst of a Western swing, and they had played the night before. And they weren't great. They looked like a team who had played the night before, and it was an East Coast team coming out West. Yeah, I remember this game. And they won 2-1. Yeah. And the Canucks actually probably, on merit and on chances, outplayed the Lightning. That's the definition of that team knows how to win. So, Like, the things that they did, and they were very small, and they probably weren't all that... You know, identifiable because it was just in the flow of a game. But Mm -hmm. they don't beat themselves when they know that the margin of error is thin. And two words, two words, puck management. Yeah, you love the puck
0: management, and rightfully so, man. Like JT Miller, I I I know this guy's name is Mud right now, so I almost hesitate to do it. But like JT Mudler, JT no JT Miller is Brett Favre. He's a gunslinger, right? Like he he makes all these risky passes and. Sometimes you'll have a game where you're like, man, this guy's the greatest, game, greatest player ever. Mm-hmm. And other times you're like, what are you doing, man? Well, stop taking so many chances. Here's you don't the, have to throw every, or you don't
1: have to make every cross seam pass. Here's the thing. I think there's a correlation between uh, having a 3 nothing lead in the first game and having a 2 nothing lead in the second game and not having any points to show for it because of those particular instances. How many
0: times have we talked on this show? About the Canucks and who is their shutdown line, who is their shutdown pair? The Canucks teams, the good teams of old, and it's getting a lot longer ago, mm-hmm. over a decade now. If those teams got a, got a lead, they almost always won. They knew how to lock down a game. This Canucks team doesn't know how to lock down anything. Right.
1: So to get back to what, <clears throat> excuse me to what I was saying about the Lightning when they came in last year is they got out to a lead. And then they just kind of suffocated the game away. Like, the the style of play that they put forth when they had the lead was not what you would expect from a team with Stamkos and Kucherov and heavy. It wasn't this high-flying, high-octane, let's-go-beat-the-doors-down kind of team. They manufactured a victory. And part of the way that they did that was not giving up shorthanded goals in key moments. Mm-hmm not allowing egregious turnovers to happen when the other team has built up a little bit of momentum so so
2: is losing both the games with, with you have the lead you, you blow both leads and lose both games is that focused entirely on leadership more than anything else or is it a, a multitude of factors cuz like to me it looks like All, uh, they don't know how to con- they don't know how to contain this thing and, and calm
1: the p- the play down i think it is a team that's honestly a little bit naive still mm hmm Right, and you know when people say you have to learn how to win, yeah, it's the biggest cliche, and it's it's really nebulous because no one ever points to specific. Is
0: it shell shock too? Do you think they're like, oh god, here we go again? I think it's a lot of things, man. It's hockey IQ. Mm. I mean, Edmonton, the Edmonton blown lead was different, right? Edmonton, they got they got hosed by a bad call, and there's McDavid and Drysaddle. Like yeah. those guys are unbelievable, okay, here, right? The Philly was just they didn't look good from the start. But the Philly, Philly one is one lo- where you gotta lock it down. Oh God, yes. You got a two nothing. I
1: believe that's gifted to you. Win the game. Almost more so than the Edmonton 3 0 win, if that makes sense. You
2: know, it, I get you. Yep. Because Philly's a bad team. You should beat them if you're up 2
1: 0. But you got gifted it. Yeah. And you almost need to recognize that as a group. Like when you're handed something on a platter, you're like, let's not waste this. Yep. Let's take yeah. advantage of this. The Edmonton one, the naivete there was when they got the goal after Hughes got the high stick and it was three one. Everyone on that Canucks team should have been cognizant of the fact that the momentum was swinging. The last thing you do in that instance is give up a shorthand. Oh, goal. my God. Right? I'm the last a, thing. I'm getting angry just thinking
0: about that. <laughs> you right? like, I'm like, I'm just getting getting upset. I, yeah, like, just the way he says, like, the last thing you I do know. is manage the puck like that. Yeah, and, and it, that's and the it thing. just calls right. into question and it's so your many, Leader doing it too. It, it calls into it calls into uh, like you 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 question the players, you question the coaching staff, you question the management, you question the entire organization when it's the same things over and over. And that's why I think we're not getting much fee, much pushback from the listeners. Like, guys, you got to calm down. It's only the second game of the season, but it's not. It's like the the seasons from previous with the same players the same core of players and if you think Ilya McKayev's going to change everything uh you know i i admire your optimism yeah. but it's the same issues not playing a full 60 minutes the special teams Puck management, things like that. Just being a, the the lack of ability in locking down games, the lack of ability to control games, the lack of an ability to impose your game on the opponent. It just it's it's not a good team yet. We're but, just waiting for it to. Like the Canucks had such a skill advantage over that Flyers team. You look at good. the Canucks roster. You look at the Flyers roster. The Canucks had double the amount. Of talent than the Flyers. They still lost the game because this group has not meshed yet. And I don't know if it will. Uh, uh, One final thing before we go to break. An important
1: thing to note is that the um, puck management issues, especially on the power play. It's funny because it comes from a pretty good place. Like the guys are trying to make. I I would say high risk, high reward plays. And then you look at it and you take a step back. It's like, well. They're doing this knowing that the power play's in the tank. Like, it was one for eight in Edmonton. They wanted to get something going. So maybe you step out of your comfort zone for just a moment, or maybe you color outside the lines for just a moment, and you try and do something. I'm not going to call it, like, hero ball. Like, they're not going that far afield, but you try something. You take a risk, and it comes back, and it burns you, and that's kind of where they're at as a team. Like, I think maybe a more disciplined team or a team that knows flow of game, dictating momentum and things like that, maybe doesn't take that chance just to try and get a spark on the power play. And those things, again, you're not going to kill Petey or Miller for trying to make a skill play or trying to do something out of the ordinary because that's often the times that they shine, right, is when they do something individualistic and they make it happen. But circumstances matter. Situations matter. The times that you do things really matter, and they're still figuring that part out. That's what everyone talks about when they say, learning how to win games, learning how to manage games. After a few reps, you do figure it out. Now, the thing with Miller, I do think that's the type of player that he is. I don't think that that's going to change. You get the good with the bad with him.
0: He's a gunslinger.
1: You get Yeah, right.
0: He is a gunslinger.
1: Brett Favre at one point had the most touchdowns in the NFL. He also had the most interceptions Mm -hmm. in the NFL. That's kind of the thing. Jameis Winston had 30 touchdowns. One year he also had 30 interceptions, right? (laughs) You kind of have to live with that. (laughs)
0: Let's, ho- let's hope he's not Jameis Winston.
1: No, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> the, like you look at that, that one year Winston had, I think he threw for, like, almost 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. You're yeah. like, that's an amazing season. Mm-hmm. But he also had 30 interceptions.
0: Uh, it was a good football season or weekend around these parts. The Lions get a big win against an undermanned Bombers team. They rested their starting quarterback, and it showed because the Lions got two pick six, two pick sixes. For touchdowns, Uh, they beat the Bombers, and the Calgary Stampeders lost to Hamilton. So what does that mean? If the Lions go into Edmonton on Friday, and Edmonton has a 16-game losing streak at home, if the Lions can make it 17, please make it 17, then they'll host a playoff game. They'll host the Calgary Stampeders in the playoffs. So good for the BC Lions. We probably should give them some more love, but... You know, this is still a Canucks town and people want to talk about the Canucks. Uh, we're gonna talk another form of football with Mike Tanier coming up. Uh it is the NFL. I'm telling you, man, I I I'm 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 at a It's this adorable. I'm I'm I don't know what to think of the Seahawks because my brain is sitting there going, You need the high pick, don't win too many games. And yet I'm cheering hard for them to win. In these games, I'm like, man, I hope they win. I'm not cheering against them. And they got a good win over the Cardinals yesterday. Now they're tied for first in the NFC West. They're tied with the Rams and the 49ers. The Rams got a win over Carolina. Lot My lock of the week, not to brag. The 49ers lost to yeah. Atlanta. So all those teams are 3-3. Three and three. And the Arizona Cardinals, who look awful, terrible. I don't know how much time Kingsbury's got left as head coach there. Because they got Kyler Murray locked up, and that might have been a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a game between Buffalo and Kansas City that people seemed to be focused on while I was watching the Seahawks and the Cardinals. That was my lock of the week. It, it did not lock. Yeah, the Chiefs lost I know to home. the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we'll talk about the NFL uh, with Mike Tanier. Uh, and then at 7.30, we can do some more Canucks talk. We can talk about some of the other stories in sports. Uh, anything you want to text into the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650 complaints. Feel free to vent at us if you want to. If you think it'll help. After the Canucks dropped their first two games of the season, big game tonight in Washington. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.